Well, good morning, Barrel Life Church. I am so excited you chose to come and worship with us today. Whether you're at our Grayson campus, our Moorhead campus, or if you're watching online, wherever you are today, we are so thankful that you join us because we have a treat for you. We have a special preacher today. Paul Badgett is going to be preaching. I'm so excited about this. I wish I could be with you in person. I'm going to be preaching in Ohio today. And so I've asked Brother Paul to come and preach for you. We go way back. He was pastor at First Baptist Church, Pikeville. And I talked to him about planting a church in Moorhead. And he said, you know what? I want to lead our church to help you launch. And they helped us financially launch when we launched Bear Life Church, and I'm so indebted to him and his leadership and his friendship. He is the regional consultant at the Kentucky Baptist Convention and the eastern part of Kentucky, and today we have him at Bear Life Church. So come on, I want you to give a great warm welcome to Dr. Paul Badgett. Everybody say wow. wow. Say wow backwards. Wow. 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 I tell you, it's so good to be here at Better Life this morning. I'm so thankful that your pastor has invited me to come. I represent the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Uh, Kentucky Baptists, by churches, for churches, to help churches reach Kentucky and the world for Christ Jesus. And the good news I have for you is that I'm wearing my little cooperative program pin this morning as we cooperate, 2,400 Baptist churches. By the way, out of 2,400 Baptist churches in the state of Kentucky, you are number two in baptisms. Give yourself a round of applause. How about that? And, and I have known Daniel for some time, and, um, and I'm grateful for the work that God has been doing in and through you and him here at, at Better Life. But um, as you support uh, KBC, uh, you're supporting uh, training pa uh, new pastors at Clear Creek Baptist Bible College. You're supporting uh, Sunrise Homes for Children. The Bible talks a lot about supporting orphans or taking care of orphans. You do that through cooperative program gifts, and uh, you support guys like me that run around uh, sharing the gospel through the hills of eastern Kentucky. So as I get started this morning, would you just please repeat after me? I'm too blessed to be depressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. I've got more to shout about than pout about. I got more to sing about than complain about. I'm far too elected to be rejected. Brother Daniel's my pastor. I'm a better life. And I'm walking on the sunny side of Hallelujah Boulevard. Amen. Now this morning, uh, one verse of scripture today, and it comes from Psalms chapter 40 and verse 8. Psalm 40 and 8. And here's what the Word of God says. He says, the writer, uh, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, I delight to do your will, my God. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. If you're going to do the will of God, you need to know what the will of God is. And so this morning, I'm delighted that you're here because I'm going to share with you what, how we're to understand the will of God for our lives. It's back in the 1980s that my wife and I, we enrolled in Boyce Bible School. Uh, Boyce Bible School is, a, um, is basically an extension of um, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And so at that time, we didn't know what Boyce Bible School was. Uh, we were new converts, and we just wanted to know a little bit more about the Word of God. And so we were looking for a place where we could go a little deeper into God's Word. It was advertised in the paper, and so we enrolled. We had no idea there was a preacher school. And so we, um, 
attended Boyce Bible School for a time, and it created within me a desire to go deeper into the Word of God. And so um, I'd already had an undergraduate degree from Eastern Kentucky University, and so uh, I thought, maybe I could do something on a master's level, and so I did. I enrolled at Liberty University, and I, I did the Master of Arts and Religion thing at uh, Liberty, and um, this was before I actually answered the call to preach the gospel. But it was during that time that I was introduced to some people that, uh, that was able to just, they were, it was life transforming for me. I was introduced to a man, uh, Dr. James Borland, uh, who taught New Testament at Liberty. He taught me more about the New Testament I, that I could ever know about New Testament. And a great man of God helped translate the New King James translation of the Bible. And then um, Dr. John Walvert, from Dallas uh, Theological Seminary, and uh, he instructed us in the in the area of eschatology. I know I, I was talking to my dear friend down here this morning. He's studying end time things. That's what eschatology is. And Dr. John Walvert um, was a great man, probably one of the leading guys in, as it relates to eschatology or end time events. And he was also one of the editors in the uh, Schofield Study Bible, 1967 edition. And then finally, Dr. Dave Adams, a youth uh, studies, and Dr. Dave Adams was known all over the country for his, uh, for his um, knowledge of youth ministries and so forth. And so I had Dr. Dave Adams, and then uh, the one that really, really, really uh, uh, had a big impact on my life and on my ministry was Dr. Elmer Towns. Dr. Elmer Towns, who at that time was really the Sunday school guru in America. And he wrote a book entitled The Ten Largest Sunday Schools uh, in America and uh, way back in the day, and it was a, a bestseller and so forth. But anyway, uh, uh, he, he was also one of the founder, uh, founders of Liberty University. But anyway, while studying under Dr. Towns, uh, we did a study uh, using the team ministry, Guide to Spiritual Gifts and Lay Involvement by Larry Gilbert, and Larry Gilbert made a statement in his book that I want to give to you. And I've, had, I've used this statement in my life, my whole entire, well, in my ministry, not in my whole life, but in my ministry, the life of my ministry. And it's helped me in every area of my ministry. I want to give it to you, okay? I want you to have this. So if you have a pencil and paper, you might want to jot this down. If you don't have pencil and paper, you might want to just uh, try to remember what I'm going to share with you. Maybe you can go back. If this, if this uh, sermon is posted online, you can go back and look at it again. But here's the statement I want to give you. What God has called you to do, he's gifted you to do, and what God has gifted you to do, he's called you to do. What God has called you to do, he's gifted you to do, and what God has gifted you to do, he's called you to do. Now remember, we're talking about the will of God for your life. And so this message this morning is going to have two basic points. And I often tell folks, every message, every, every uh, actually sermon ought to have at least one point. Well, this morning I'm going to give you two points to my message this morning. Number one, what the will of God is not. And then number two, what the will of God is. And so I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I am thrilled that you're here this morning because I don't believe it's by accident, but I believe it's by providence that God has brought you here this morning so you could begin the process 
of recognizing the will of God for your life. So it's going to be very important that you listen very carefully to what I'm going to share with you today, okay? Uh, you might want to look at your neighbor right now and say, you need to listen very carefully to this message because he's going to be talking about the will of God today. And so let's begin by talking about why the will of God is not. If we're going to understand what the will of God is, then we need to know what the will of God is not. And the first thing I want to say to you about the will of God, what it is not, it's not bad. The will of God is not bad. A lot of people think that if they surrender to the will of God for their life, they'll have to surrender and go to the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa somewhere, fight green uh, mamba snakes and maybe uh, contract the Ebola virus and die in some remote part away, all the way uh, apart from uh, family and friends and relatives and associates and neighbors and all those kinds of things. But the will of God is not bad. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make this statement about the will of God. There's no safer place to be. There's no more fulfilling place to be. There's no better place to be than at the heart of the will of God for your life. So number one, the will of God for your life is not bad. Number two, the will of God is not fixed. You see, uh, most of you here are, are younger, and uh, I see Matthew Mofield sitting back there, and uh, Matthew Mofield is supported by Cooperative Program Gifts, Kentucky Baptist Convention, his work, VCM, and I'm grateful for Matthew Mofield. Matthew Mofield cannot believe that I'm the same age as a lot of the older people. Amen, he can't believe that. But uh, anyway, uh, I think about the will of God. It's not fixed. It's not, a, it's not an age range meaning that you could be nine years old here this morning or you could be 90 years old here today and you haven't blown the will of God. And so it's not a stage of life. The will of God is not a stage of life. Uh, you can be eight or you could be 80. You could be anything in between and you have not blown the will of God. You can experience the will of God for your life. Now, I mean, that's pretty exciting. And by the way, I get pretty excited about these kinds of things because I tell everybody I have a Baptist head. And that is, theologically, I think like a Baptist. Amen? And then uh, I have uh, Jehovah Witness shoes. You probably noticed that when I walked on the platform, didn't you? And uh, I'm not talking about a, a false Jehovah Witness. I'm talking about knowing that the Jehovah of the old is the Jesus of the new, and the Jesus of the new is the Jehovah of the old. And so I just go all over the mountains of East Kentucky, and I tell people about who? Tell people about Jesus. That's what I do. So I have a Baptist head, theologically I think like a Baptist, I have Jehovah Witness shoes, but I have a Pentecostal heart. And so that means that I get pretty excited about things. And so when it comes to the things, the Word of God, I, I really do. And when I think about that the will of God is not a stage of life, and you could be 9 or 90, and you haven't blown the will of God, you know what my little Pentecostal heart does? It goes, whoopee, 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 that's what it does. And so I'm excited. So the will of God is not fixed. But then next, number three, the will of God is not lost. You can't compare um, uh, the will of God to an Easter egg hunt. We're not looking for the will of God, but we're just trying to recognize the will of God. When the psalmist says, he said this, he said, I delight to do your will, oh my God. And then he goes on to say in verse eight, your law is within my heart. In other words, he knew exactly what the will of God was. And so we're not trying to look for it this morning. We're just going to try to recognize what the will of God is. 
then we recognize the will of God, then we're going to take steps to say, the best place for me to be, the safest place for me to be, the most exciting place for me to be would be right in the center of God's will. So the will of God for your life is not uh, lost, but then the will of God for your life has not been revealed to somebody else. The will of God for your life has not been revealed to others. Um, I don't know if you've ever had anybody come up to you and say, I think God wants you to do this or I think God wants you to do that. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or not, but I have. <laughs> I've had people try to tell me exactly what the will of God was and um, for my life. So, but, uh, you know, if God wants you to know what the will of God is for your life, let me ask you a question. Who's he going to tell? He's going to tell you. He's, going to tell, he's not going to tell somebody else what the will of God is for your life. He's going to tell you what uh, the will of God is for your life. So the will of God for your life is not being revealed to somebody else. But then, number five, the will of God for your life is not based on circumstances. You know, in the Old Testament, that might have been true. I know Gideon laid out the fleeces. Remember that? He laid out the fleece, and, um, and maybe that was okay in the Old Testament, but we have something that they didn't have in the Old Testament we have the completed um, will of God. We have it right here. We have the Word of God. And so we have something that they didn't have. We also have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, which uh, the Spirit of God came upon them. The Spirit of God comes to live within us. And so the will of God for you and me is not based on circumstances. Now, let me give you an illustration of that. I love donuts. And uh, you can probably tell. You can see that. And by the way, you younger people, I got to warn you, okay? Uh, that's called a middle-aged spread. And if you get that, do not suck it in, amen? If you suck that in, it'll build up pressure in your body and blow the hair off the back of your head. Look at that. See what happened to me? <laughs> but I like donuts. I especially like Jolly Pirate Donuts. We have a Jolly Pirate Donuts in Ashland where I live. Suppose I'm driving up Winchester Avenue in Ashland, Kentucky, and I'm approaching Jolly Pirate Donuts. And I'm thinking, man... Well, I'd sure like to have a Jolly Pirate donut. Now, I know my doctor, he doesn't want me to have Jolly Pirate donuts. I know my wife would prefer I didn't eat Jolly Pirate donuts. But I'm thinking, Lord, you may disagree with them. You may want me to really have a Jolly Pirate donut. And so I begin the process of praying. I say, Lord, as I drive up to Jolly Pirate donuts, and if there's a parking place right there in front of Jolly Pirate donuts, I'll know that it's your will for me to have one of those chocolate-covered, cream-filled Jolly Pirate Donuts with a cup of coffee. So I drive up, and after driving around the block six times, amen? <laughs> right there in front. But you know what I mean. The will of God is not based on circumstances. But then the will of God also, it will never contradict the Word of God. Never contradict the Word of God. Um, I've had young people come to my office Matthew, you may have had some folks come to your office, young ladies, and say, I know he's not a Christian, but I'm going to marry him anyway because I think I can lead him to the Lord after we get married. And maybe you've heard that. Maybe some of others you have heard that. But listen, the will of God for your life will never contradict the word of God. The Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked, right? Christians should marry other Christians. And there's, there's a lot of reasons. That, that's another sermon, by the way. I could tell you exactly why I believe that that's true. Because when there's uh, one, when there's, you're unequally yoked, there's compromise. 
and you go one generation to another generation, and, and then, then there's additional compromise, and then, and then we find ourselves drifting farther and farther away from the things of God. But listen, the will of God for your life will never contradict the Word of God. But also, maybe you've heard this. Uh, maybe you've heard, uh, I, don't attend, uh, I don't think you have to attend church to be a good Christian. I've even had them tell me I can worship the Lord on the golf course, <laughs> you know. But I've been on golf courses, and I can tell you, I've never had them make an announcement, okay, we're all going to stop now, we're going to worship the Lord down here on the golf course. I've never had that. Some say you can worship the Lord in the shopping mall. I've never experienced that. I've never went to a shopping mall and had an experience of worshiping the Lord. The best place to worship the Lord is right where you're at this morning. And so I praise God that you're here. The Bible says we're not to abandon uh, our meeting together as the habit of some people, especially as we see the day approaching. Even at my age, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker, amen? amen. And so as we move closer and closer to that day, um, I, you know, I want to be found in the house of God. So, word of, I mean, the will of God never contradict the, the will of God. So um, here's what we find. We find that uh, we need to be here. There's an important, by the way, there's an important reason that you're here. And the reason that you're here, one of the more important reasons that you're here is that you're to encourage one another. You're to help build each other up in the faith. And so um, I'm so glad that you're here today, and I'm so glad you're here to, to encourage others. Here's another one that I hear quite often. You know, we can live together before marriage. After all, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy, so we can just kind of live together before we get married. But listen, more than your happiness, God's not opposed to you being happy, but listen, more than just being happy, God wants you to be holy. And so it's important that we understand uh, that the will of God will never contradict the word of God. And so let me give you just a little bit of, of review before we go into what the will of God is for your life. Then as we kind of go into what the will of God is for your life, then I want you to respond appropriately. We'll have an you'll have an opportunity to do that this morning. Okay, the will of God for your life is not bad. The will of God for your life is not fixed. The will of God for your life is not lost. The will of God for your life is not revealed to others. The will of God for your life is not based on circumstances. The will of God for your life is not contrary to the word of God. So that's what the will of God is not. But here's what the will of God is for your life, okay? Important. Punch your neighbor and say, hey, this is important. You better listen to this, okay? Would you do that? Here's what the will of God. The will of God for your life is for you to be saved. The will of God for your life is for you to be saved. The Bible says the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but to all to come to repentance. Now, you know what repentance is, right? Repentance is when we turn from something and we turn to someone. The something that we turn from is sin itself, and the someone that we turn to is the Lord Jesus. And we put our faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says, but as many as receive what? Him. To them he gave the authority or the right to become the sons and the children of God. And so what we do is we put our faith and trust in him. The Bible says, even to those that believe in his name, believe what? Believe that the claims of Jesus are absolutely true. Believe that Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and raised again the third day, also according to the Scripture. And so the will of God for our life is for us to be saved. God's Word translation translates it this way. 
repentance this way. Change the way you act and change the way you think. Become a new creature in Christ Jesus, Paul writes. The old is gone, the new has come. Be born again. And um, if we're born twice, we die once. Born once, die twice. You know, you know, there's a second death. So the will of God for your life is for you to be what? Saved. But then number two, the will of God for your life is for you to be sanctified. The Bible says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So you see, when a person is saved, you have been saved. That's your salvation. But at, but at the same time, there begins the process of your sanctification. That is a process. Salvation is an event. Sanctification is a process. It's a growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there's your salvation, your sanctification, and then one day, when you go home to be with the Lord, the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ raised first, then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together in the clouds. And so when we're with the Lord, that's your glorification. And that's a, that's, a, that's a different sermon. But anyway, your sanctification is a growth in grace. And so it's, it's progressing toward the mark. What's the mark? The mark is becoming more and more like Jesus. You see, you have a goal as a church member here at Better Life, as a person that's a part of this church. Your goal is to become more like Jesus. But then as you become more like Jesus, Better Life becomes more like the body of Christ. As you become more like the body of Christ, then you begin the process of having an impact on Moorhead and Round County, and it begins to resemble more of the kingdom of God. And so growing in grace and knowledge, becoming more and more uh, like Jesus had a good pastor friend years ago, and um, now he's now home with the Lord in heaven. But his favorite uh, preacher uh, was W.A. Criswell down the First Baptist Church, Dallas. He loved to hear W.A. Criswell preach the gospel. And so he got his family and said, you know what? We're going to take a road trip. We're going to go to Dallas, and we're going to go down and hear W.A. Criswell preach. Well, in those days, preachers uh, didn't look handsome like Brother Daniel with his T-shirt and his tennis shoes and all those kinds of things. And, and uh, by the way, I, I told him I'd wear a T-shirt and, and uh, skinny blue jeans. He said, I'd rather you not. He said, I'd rather you. <laughs> he said, I'd just suit you dress the way you dress. And so that's what I did today. But, but anyway, he takes his family down to hear W.A. Criswell uh, preach the gospel. And Criswell comes out in a big white suit. And he's got the, a, a pink tie or something on. I don't know, white shoes. He, he just... That's the way they dressed back in those days, loud. So they had all this, he had all this stuff on. And so he preached. And then after the sermon was over, they got ready to leave. Of course, uh, my friend, Harold Cathy, he was just enthralled with the message. His daughter looked over at him and says, Daddy, was that Jesus? <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be something if the same thing could be said of you? If someone would say, you know, after having an encounter with you, say, was that Jesus? Well, you know, that's the goal. And the goal is to become more and more like him. Uh, so uh, the will of God, the will of God for your life is for you to be sanctified. But then the will of God for your life is for you to be spirit-filled. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 5. It says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, in which is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And so to be filled with the Spirit of God, that's a command. 
And so we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have been commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, if you're commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God, you need to know whether you're filled with the Spirit of God or whether you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You say, how can I know, Brother Paul, whether I'm filled with the Spirit of God? Well, there's, two, there's a two-fold test. This is a quiz, by the way. How many of you attend Moorhead State University? How many of you attend? Several of you do. And so I'm going to get, this is, this is a quiz. So just, this is pop quiz, okay? Number one, uh, possess the fruit of God's Spirit. And then number two, pre uh, perform the function of God's Spirit. Now, possessing the fruit of God's Spirit means that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, anybody know what the first one is? Love. The Bible says in 1 John that God is love. Where does God dwell? God dwells within the believer. And so God dwelling in us, we possess the fruit of his spirit. So here's what we're to do, class. We're to die to self, and we're to be alive to the spirit of God that indwells us. And so the bearing of the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, and faithfulness is to be born out in the Christian life. It's to be born out in your life. And so the will of God for your life is for you to be spirit-filled. Part of that is bearing the fruit, is to let Jesus live his life in and through you. But then, uh, number two, there's performing the function of the Spirit. You say, well, what's the function of the Spirit? Well, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 26, said when the Helper comes to bear clay toss, the one that comes alongside us to help us to live the Christian life, when he comes, the Bible says that he's not going to speak of himself, but Jesus said, he will testify about me. In other words, I have the Spirit of God indwelling me. I'm dead to self. I'm allowing him to live his life through me. I'm bearing the fruit. At the same time, as he lives his life in and through me, I'm performing the function, and the function is to tell others about who class? About Jesus. And so that's a twofold test. And so God's will for your life is for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. I had one preacher friend said, you ought to be so filled with the Spirit of God. If you leave here this morning, one of these round county mosquitoes bites you on the nap of the neck, he'd fly away singing, there's power in the blood. Amen? That's how, that's how filled you ought to be. So God's will for your life is for you to be Spirit-filled. But then number four, God's will for your life is for you to be submissive. All of us to be submissive. The Bible says, submit yourselves to, for the Lord's sake. Uh, for every human institution, whether, whether to a king or to one in authority, our governors is sent by him for those, uh, the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And then he says, for such is the will of God. So what does that mean? It means that we're to be law-abiding citizens. As long as the law doesn't cost, cause us to disobey God, if the law causes us to disobey God, we obey God rather than men. But if the law doesn't, cause us to disobey God, then we obey the laws of the land, right? We want to be good citizens. Now, when I got saved, all of me was saved except my right foot. I had trouble with my right foot. Does anybody know what I mean? It was a little heavy. It was a little heavy. But uh, there was a police officer out on the Mountain Parkway over at Wolf County that led my right foot to the Lord. Amen? And uh, I learned to be a good citizen by obeying the laws of the land because there's consequences for disobeying the laws, uh, not, not obeying the laws of the land. And so you know what that cost me? 90 bucks. I mean, that's what it cost me. So the will of God for your life is for you uh, to be submissive. But then the will of God for your life is for you to suffer. 
Bible says, therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God, they entrust their souls to a faithful creator who is doing what is right, 1 Peter 4, 19. 1 Peter 3, 17 says, for, for it is better if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. In other words, the Bible says, don't be dumb and do some crazy things that would cause you to suffer but you do what is right. And sometimes when you do what is right, that will bring about suffering. In these days, when you take a stand for Jesus, sometimes you have to suffer for taking a stand for Jesus. It could be you have to take a stand for Jesus in the classroom. It could be you have to take a stand for Jesus uh, at, on the job. It could be that you have to take a stand for Jesus in the office or whatever. And sometimes there's, a, there's suffering associated with that. And I think about suffering saints all around the world. I think about... Christians have been called in, in different parts of the world, like uh, in communist countries and, and, um, and also in Islamic-controlled countries and persecution in places like China, Vietnam, various communist countries. So the will of God for your life is for you to suffer. And then finally, the will of God for your life is for you to serve. The Bible says uh, uh, this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service, to prove what the will of God is for your life. And so, listen, class, here's what I want you to know, and I hope I'm not going, I'm not going over, am I? Am I going over? Listen. You as a believer are a priest of God. How many of you know that? You're a priest of God. How many of you know that? So as a priest of God, you didn't know that? Okay, you're a priest of God. And so what does a priest do? A priest offers up sacrifices. If a priest offers up sacrifices, what sacrifice are you to offer up? You're to offer up your body. You're to bring your body and say, God, your body, listen, it's, not a, it's neither evil or it's not good, it's neutral. You bring your body and say, God, here's my body and I offer it to you as a reasonable sacrifice. It's my act of worship. Why? Because, uh, because I want to, I want to be uh, right in the center of the will of God. And so I want you. So the will of God for your life. Will of God for your life. In times past, God dealt with you as a sinner. In time present, God deals with you as a son. Times future, God will deal with you as a steward. A steward to do what? A steward on the basis of how you've been uh, trustworthy to exercise the God-given gifts that God has given you so that you could be a person that's operating within the will of God because what God has called you to do, he's what? Gifted you to do. And what God has gifted you to do, he's called you to do. Okay. Now, and by the way, God will never reveal to you his unrevealed will until you're willing to do his revealed will. God will never reveal to you his unrevealed will until you're willing to do his revealed will. Are you tracking with me okay this morning? Are you doing okay? So what's God's will for my life? Here it is. And then we'll give our invitation. It's Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4. Here's what it says. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. It says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So listen to me, class. Everybody listening, say amen. The will of God is whatever you desire. The will of God is whatever you desire if, if, if 
if you're saved, you're sanctified, you're spirit-filled, you're submissive, you're suffering for Jesus, and you're willing to serve. Because whatever God has called you to do, he's gifted you. Whatever God has gifted you, he's called you to do. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's bow our heads just for a moment, and I just need to ask you a personal question this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder how many this morning could say, Brother Paul, I, I'm saved. I'm giving my heart and life to Jesus. Now, you don't, have to, you don't have to lift your hand just yet. How many of you would say, well, I'm saved, but I'm not really progressing in my faith. I'm not growing in my faith. So I, 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 know, I know that sanctification is progressive, and I'm just not growing, and I need to grow. I understand that. I know the will of God for my life is for me to grow. Or spirit-filled. I know that God's will for my life is for me to be spirit-filled, but honestly, I don't think I am. I'm not really bearing the fruit of the spirit of my life, and I'm not really performing the function. I'm not telling others about Jesus. And then submissive, that is being a good citizen, obeying the laws of the land, and, um, and then suffering, willing to take a stand for Jesus in the classroom, uh, on the job, uh, in the community, serving. I have a place to serve. I have a handle to hold on to. That's the will of God for my life. And I know that God will never reveal to me his unrevealed will until I'm willing to do his revealed will. And so knowing all those things to be true, how many would say, Brother Paul, I got some things I need to consider this morning because I'm not sure I'm exactly where I need to be. And I just want you to pray for me this morning. And so all over the auditorium this morning, nobody can see but me. I wonder how many would raise your hand and say, Brother Paul, i got some things I really, really do need to work on. Would you just raise your hand right now and very quickly? I see all over the building. Yes, I see those hands all over the auditorium. God bless you this morning. You can put those down because I want to pray a special prayer for you. Then Pastor Adam will be coming to do the invitation today. But thank you for allowing me to come and represent our convention. I'm so, I'm so interested in getting out the Word of God these days. But I'm more interested in folks like you. I'm more interested in folks like you becoming more like Jesus. So your churches can become more like the body of Christ. As you become more like the body of Christ, you impact the community. So the community becomes more like the kingdom of God. And the only way we can do that is if we're in the will of God. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for better life. Thank you for these precious folks that are here today. The world is yet to see what God could do through one congregation like this that was completely submitted to the will of God. I pray that better life would become that congregation. I pray that this morning that there'll be many that will say today, I want to be in the will of God. I want to do it. And because I, I, I know that I want God to work in and through me. I want God to work in and through this congregation. I want God to work in and through this congregation and this community because this community desperately needs Jesus. So God bless now, I pray especially. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. In Jesus' sweet name, all of God's people said, amen.